You're listening to the McGovern Report. The McGovern Report is the voice and the heartbeat of the McGovern Center on the campus of Dakota Wesley University in Mitchell, South Dakota. My name is Joel Allen. I'm the director of the McGovern Center and also associate professor of religion and philosophy at Dakota Wesleyan. I'm glad you're here. Today, we're going to talk to Don Messer. Don is a former president of Dakota Wesleyan. Initially, he was uh, came to Dakota Wesleyan as a student. He's from South Dakota and graduated from Dakota Wesleyan and became our youngest president and then went on from Dakota Wesleyan to be the president of ILIF Theological Seminary in Denver. And uh, after he retired or during that time, he uh, started a ministry which has gained the name. It wasn't initially named this, but is now called the Center for Health and Hope. And he does work with AIDS and um, financial development, business development in Kenya, Rwanda, and India. And today I'm going to talk to Don about uh, about the work he's doing in these countries. I would love for you to uh, to tune into this. Uh, the the uh, Center for Health and Hope initially, when it was when it was initially started, has George McGovern on the board. George McGovern was uh, very inspirational to Don, and uh, it's and um, he, of course, McGovern was very interested in in world development and world hunger, and in uh, the World Food Program was insp- involved in the starting of the World Food Program. Some people may not realize, but um, but World Food Program received the Nobel Prize in October of this last year, and um, so we kind of like to think of that as a a Nobel Peace Prize for George because he started the World Food Program, was one of the key players in the starting of the World Food Program. So today what we're going to do is very simple. Don and I are going to just talk about his newsletter. He has a newsletter with uh, which uh, I will pro- provide the link for the newsletter in the show notes. And in our conversation, we're going to be talking about a, a webinar series that uh, the Center for Health and Hope uh, sponsored with Savannah Sandberg and her dog Coco. And uh, so we will also be pro- providing the link to those uh, that um, the, the recording of those we- the, the webinar on transgender issues, transphobia, and the dangers of violence against the transgender community. So this podcast is kind of touch base with Don, what's going on with the Center for Health and Hope. Uh, and um, so it's just an opportunity for you to kind of get a sense for what's going on in the world, what's happening, uh, especially as it relates to COVID and the challenges that COVID has placed, is, is provided for people involved in, in world development. So this is a great conversation. I hope you are able to Listen and enjoy to this conversation with Don Messer from the Center of Health and Hope. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Well, Don, it's great to have you on the uh, on the McGovern Report podcast. Again, this is your third time on, and uh, it's great to have you on. It's good to see you. And um, so uh, I hope you're doing well. Doing very well, thank you. It's always great to be on the McGovern podcast. Yeah, yeah, and I you had your celebrated your 80th birthday recently, or is it coming up? 
No, I celebrated it and moved on and uh, just, uh, it's kind of a year of celebrations, 80th birthday, 50 years ago, I became president of Dakota Wesleyan and served there 10 years. So uh, life keeps moving on. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, it's, it's good to have you on. I remember I had you on for one episode where you chatted about your, just your personal memories of George McGovern. You were a very close friend of his and, um, and your, uh, I remember you talked about the, uh, the, the marriage vow re rededication ceremony you did with him right after he lost the election in, in 1980 and uh, the end of his political career. And, and it was very emotional time for them. And I remember hearing your story that was a very touching story. So I had wonderful relationships with uh, Senator McGovern and, and he helped me start the Center for Help and Hope. He was the honorary chair for till his death uh, of the uh, International Advisory Committee. And upon his uh, passing, uh, that role was taken over by uh, uh, Senator uh, uh, Dole and okay. Senator Daschle. So they, they continued to, they, they carried on his tradition uh, oh, as they lent their good names to my work and nonprofit. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, I, I, I should just mention that we, for anyone that's listening, we're planning uh, to celebrate his, the centennial of his life and, and uh, his legacy on, um, on it's September 22, 2022. He, that, he will, in, uh, in, in 2022, it would have been his 100th birthday. And we're celebrating a little bit late because he was born in July and there's no students on campus in July. So we're celebrating it in September and also the 50th year since the 72 election. So uh, already Thomas Knock has agreed to come. So we're very okay. going to be the keynote speaker and we're going to show the documentary. Uh, um, oh, uh, summer of, I should remember this summer of, help me out here, Don. The documentary is, I've got this uh, one, one bright shining moment. There it is. Oh, yes. one, okay. one bright shining moment. I've invited Stephen Vittoria. I hope hopefully he comes, but uh, he's given us permission to show it again. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to that. But uh, I can send you some. I can send you some digital photos of his 90th birthday in Washington D.C. Oh, that would be great. The political hierarchy uh, showed up there for his 90th birthday, and uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi and uh, Senator Thune and uh, many many others were there, and I had the privilege of being there and taking some pictures so yeah well that's great i didn't realize that uh that george was actually uh had seen it just right before we started on, on your website where you have a photograph of him and tom daschle and uh and senator dole as well so as uh honorary um, uh, members of the board of the center for health and hope so and Don, I thought what we could do today in our conversation is uh, just kind of hear an update on the center. I was just going over your newsletter and there are so many uh, exciting and interesting things happening there. And uh, so I was looking at the drug prevention and treatment, uh, treat, uh, treatment AIDS, HIV, uh, ministry of uh, Bishop, uh, former Bishop Catherine Matua and for the bishop of the English, she's a bishop of the English Methodist Church in Kenya. Isn't that correct? That's correct. It's called the Kenya Methodist Church. Right. Uh, it's a national church, yes. Yeah. 
she was at Dakota Weston uh, a few years ago and uh, helped recruit a student uh, right. to come and work with her. And so she she has some ties to Dakota Weston. Absolutely. And, and that student had a fantastic experience. Uh, she was in a, one of the clubs that I oversee and um, and she had, I remember talking to her for a whole evening about the great summer she had working with Bishop Catherine. So, so tell us a little bit about her work and how you're supporting her through the Center Health and Hope. Well, uh, in the Kenya system, uh, bishops are uh, elected for eight years. And so she finished her eight years uh, of service and then uh, had during her tenure, Bishop started a drug treatment center. Uh, so many people around the world struggle with uh, various forms of addiction, and uh, Kenya has been lagging in terms of treatment centers that are quality and really non-stigmatizing, and she got it going. So uh, for the next couple of years, she's uh, going to be directing that, and uh, we at the center support it because many people... Uh, HIV is transmitted primarily sexually, but it's also highly transmitted by drug addiction and the two are often interrelated. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's many reasons why to support a, a drug addiction center, which is quality uh, service. And so she is, has been doing that and I've been working with a local church here in providing the basic salary uh, for her leadership for the next two years. It is interesting that there's never been a vaccine vaccination for HIV. It's it's uh, shocking when you think of it. For the last what, 25 years, it's it, we you know it can be treated, but it can't be cured. That's correct, uh, and the research has been going on for well, more like 40 actually now. And uh, uh, originally they thought it would be like COVID 19. Oh, we'll just have a vaccine around the corner, but. Mm -hmm. Prevention methods and pills and uh, treatment has improved, but uh, uh, there is no cure and there is no vaccine. And uh, is the United States? I know for many years we had we were, and it was George uh, George W. Bush, I think, that really advanced this program of spreading, uh, of providing uh, uh, medicines to combat HIV. Is that continuing? The, well, yes, indeed. That's called the PEPFAR program that uh, President Bush and, uh, uh, first proposed during a State of the Union address, uh, which was kind of a shock at the time. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's one of the few bipartisan programs that survived uh, all these years and, and continues to make a major impact, not only in Africa, but Asia, around the world. Wow. Uh, uh, President's emergency program. It's called PEPFAR, mm -hmm. and it's done um, a marvelous work and seems to continue to have support uh, regardless of the political administration in Washington. That's really good to hear. I was in Uganda years ago, and and uh, one of the DS there was a one of our female pastors there whose husband had had HIV, and she had gotten it from her husband, and then. Uh, and the DS said, she's being kept alive by drugs that come from your government right now. She said, I wouldn't have her as a pastor if it wasn't for, mm -hmm. so that was very meaningful. So, 
Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the, uh, you, the, the section here in your newsletter. And by the way, I'll provide the link to the newsletter in the show notes. You might wanna take a look at that. But uh, for the Courageous Connections Transgender Life Stories, you had a, a speaker do, doing a series of Zoom calls about uh, transgender issues dealing with uh, uh, transphobia. We did. We started the year with that. With uh, I think it was three uh, webinars. Um, this is an issue, you know, uh, that uh, seems to be caught up in a great deal of controversy and, yeah. and confusion. Um, even people who are uh, not anti-trans uh, don't know how to talk about the issue. They don't right. really understand the uh, challenges that transgender people face. Around the world, they face a high degree of violence, uh, including the United States. Uh, people, it's one thing not to understand or even uh, wish it wasn't the way it was, but the uh, trans people seem to be the focus, the target of violence and death in many places. So uh, these uh, webinars we had were, um, while they might be described as advocacy, they're mostly education because even the most compassionate and caring people have a trouble even talking about the issue because we are uh, vastly uneducated about the subject. So that was our primary purpose is to, to understand. We might have some disagreements on particular issues, but vaguely we don't know too much about the uh, challenges that trans people face. Yeah, yeah. Well, in South Dakota, we had just a political wrangling on this issue and and I've heard that you know a lot of times the people advancing these uh, these uh, gender restrictive bills are or trans re restrictive bills are you know they don't even have any they don't know anyone that's trans they they think they're kind of terrified of it as if it's going to destroy women's sports and all that kind of thing and um, and the bills, as I recall, here in South Dakota, it didn't go anywhere. It just got stuck somewhere in the process. And and there and it, it's it's like it's like there's just this exaggeration of the threat that they pose to our culture and society. And uh, so, yeah, I appreciate the the information that the, is there any way do you know if this has been like recorded where we could put the link to the yes it's on, it's on our website uh, okay www.centerforhealthandhope.org uh, okay we, i'll take a look for that and i'll put that in the show notes too sure. it's really interesting and I, I i would be I, I need to be more informed on trans issues as well and um yeah so, but it, it, all, it just always would strike me as like, why are we having this conversation on and on and on about something that like has, do we have any cases of a trans person wanting to, you know, uh, to participate in female sports? I don't know of any, you know, not in our state, maybe in others, there's one or two, but it's the amount of conversation and, uh, you know, social, political anxiety over this seems to be... Yeah, and you know, and my focus is on the violence, the exactly mistreatment. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in India, where we work, is uh, uh, we see that, then, as well as in other in our own country and elsewhere. So mm -hmm. that's our focus. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in Rwanda, I, I noticed here you said you have Rwanda sheep, gardens, and health care for HIV positive families. And then right under that, you have for only $8 per person, a family in Rwanda can get health care for a year. That's right. That's wow. right. Um, that and, uh, you know, so we cover an average family of about five. So uh, that's about $8 times 540. We, uh, even since printing this newsletter, this was one program we had on sheep. Uh, we're working on one right now. I'm, I'm calling it Pigs for Pastors. Uh, oh, that's great. Uh, for $130, we can provide uh, health care for their family, which would be five, and uh, buy them a pig. And the reason a pig is that uh, then next year they can pay for their own health insurance. Uh, so uh, uh, trying to... Uh, find 65 donors who will provide $130 to buy a pig for a pastor in, in Kenya, I mean, in Rwanda, and thereby provide sustained healthcare insurance, plus food and other nourishment and other uh, help, because apparently pigs multiply yes. and are easier to care for than even sheep and goats. And so that's a, that's a program, very practical kind of program. I, I would think George McGovern would appreciate it. it has to do with food and healthcare and, yes. uh, and also uh, helping uh, people who are trying to help other people. Absolutely. Yeah, we have the Livestock for Life program in the McGovern Center that's something similar to that. So, yeah. Well, that's really neat. That's great to hear. Uh, and then I noticed the section about India. You have a, a collection of stories here confronting India's caste system and poverty, stories of success. Um, so in, any of these you want to uh, focus on, I, you have uh, students graduate, 30 young people that have been able to uh, receive college degrees, income generation programs, tutoring programs, feeding programs. When I was a student at Dakota Wesleyan, which takes me back a long time, but yeah. 1961, I went off for a junior year abroad in India. So that's where my ties to India began. Oh, wow. Uh, thanks to the opportunity I got it to go to Leslie and to go off on study abroad. And study abroad is not too unusual now, but in 1961, it was. It was unusual, yeah. I went off there. And so uh, I've continued to build relationships uh, over these 60 years uh, with friends there. And it's a grave time in the history of India right now as COVID-19 is... Uh, uh, raging fiercely, uh, CDC still ranks, ranks it as uh, at the very highest level and people are dying. And so it's a great heartbreak for me. And yeah. but we continue to try to get uh, funds there to not only combat COVID-19, but HIV, as well as educating young girls and others. So uh, India is a high on the uh, list, but also one of the most difficult places to help right now. Yeah, yeah. And then I noticed you had uh, income generating projects here. Um, and I, I thought this was really kind of a cute line. She goes, there are so many of them I can't remember them all. And some of them didn't work very well, right? Renting uh -huh. fake jewelry for weddings. She says, that didn't go. What a bust. But, uh, and that's just so the like all kinds of development work. You just tr try to see what works and some things aren't going to work and some things are. And, but there's been all kinds of other income generation projects here that uh, 
shops making uh, small shops, uh, making of sanitary supplies, uh, catering business, cows, goats, carpentry tools, bicycles, uh, from purchase for small small enterprises. Any more you want to say about any of these, Don? Well, there, you know, I visited some. We've had some uh, on, on the beach, and then of course. Uh, as COVID-19 has closed down many of these places. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, it's really go from one challenge to another. Uh, yeah. uh, it's really hard for the poor to survive in a, in a world in which we're getting vaccinated, but they're not. Uh, and uh, this is a, a challenge. Uh, uh, and hung, hunger still remains one of the big issues and much of our relief has had to go there because mm -hmm. people have been unable to get food. Which yeah. reminds me that when way back when uh, George McGovern came to India while I was a student there, and he was uh, head of the Food for Peace program. That's actually right. where right. I think I first met George McGovern was in India, uh, even oh, though I was yeah. a South Dakotan and all. Uh, but uh, uh, he came, and uh, hunger was 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 desperate at the time, and uh, that program was very important. But hunger has uh, been revived during this year because of the crackdowns and COVID lockdowns, people unable to get food, food prices going up, yeah. uh, and uh, people not being able to take their medicine because of, of the lack of food. And so uh, the issues of hunger have not gone away in the world at all. In fact, they've increased uh, yeah. during this uh, pandemic. Yeah. It's so perplexing in the case, in India's case, that having the largest vaccine manufacturing facility in the world there um and i i get so i is there i i is the spread of the vaccination i know what's going on in india because as i understand it that they are not shipping they're not making some of their shipments to other countries because they're focusing on keeping as much of it there so is there the beginnings of of large mass vaccination in india as far as you're aware well, there's beginnings, but uh, you know the population is about one and a half billion. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the task is at any at a good period of time would be very difficult. Uh, so, yeah. uh, the you know our, a few of our people have been vaccinated. Many, some of them have uh, have uh, had the disease. Uh, reports are, you know, I got one from Dr. Samuel uh, saying that he was in the village and. Places closed down. Everything is vacant. You know, people can't go out, and uh, and uh, I get reports of ten or fifteen people dying a day in villages. So uh, issues are uh, are horrendous uh, there. And then even getting money there has been a problem because banks are closed and mm -hmm. and systems don't work and people aren't at the jobs. And so it's uh, it's in this twenty first century. Uh, you would think it would be different, but it's not. It's, yeah. The challenges are there. They're they're different than they were 40 years ago, but they're still the poor are suffering. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's good to talk to you, Don. I, it's uh, you know often it's easy from our Western pr perspective to. Like, well, he, read, you know, we, we read the news stories and then they kind of fall out of the news because recently I haven't come across as many news stories about the pandemic in India. And I, I know that overall, when I've checked numbers, it seems like they're coming down. 
but still the problem is severe and people are still dying. And I guess in my own mind, I kind of, you know, well, India is past the, you know, the, the India is at a point where they're, you know, rebounding and they're getting over it. But I guess that my impression was wrong, that it's still in a very bad place. Well, I looked today, actually, here we are in, in June, uh, uh, CDC list uh, India at the four, they're very high level, while Rwanda is at one at low level and Kenya too. Um, I don't didn't actually check out what the United States was, but right. you know, in in places like Kenya, they they still haven't got the vaccine, and mm-hmm. at the most, five percent of the population would be vaccinated if they got what they wanted. But you're right, the manufacturing in India is uh, uh, now being switched from being sent off to other countries, and mm-hmm. uh, there's efforts by the U.S. government. But you know, nine out of ten people that have been vaccinated in the world are in high level, high level income or moderate level income countries. And so it's kind of shocking when the US people won't get the vaccine and people in other places are and yeah. you know, uh, wanting it so bad. Where you live seems to dictate whether you live or not these days. So yeah. It's really a challenge. Yeah. Well, thank you, Don. I appreciate your work in these areas of the world and just your heart and the way you keep the McGovern spirit alive in, in uh, seeking t- that the humanity would flourish. And, and you're, I, I just express, I feel a lot of appreciation for what you do and I wanna, um, so and I'm, I'm appreciative of your taking time to talk to us at the McGovern Center podcast, the McGovern Report. It's an honor to participate, and I believe it's it's not only the McGovern spirit, but the Dakota Wesleyan spirit that I've known all these years has been a, a caring compassion to the world and to your neighbor. So uh, it's good to know that leadership there is continuing to uh, promote those ideas and students are responding yeah. uh, to care for their neighbor. And I do have a course that called The Challenge of Global Leadership, and I will uh, be in touch with you. We definitely want to have you zoom into class and talk to that group. Uh, um, so, absolutely. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Look forward to it. Absolutely. Thanks, Don. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, uh, Don, for appearing on the McGovern Report. This is your third time to be uh, on the podcast. Very much appreciate that. Uh, two episodes coming up. Uh, Jacinda Bieberstorff will be interviewed. Uh, she's a recipient of the McGovern Award for the, sorry, the Armstrong Award for Service and Justice. Uh, Bishop Armstrong was a great leader in the church and a close friend of George McGovern. And we have an award that we give out in his honor every year or most years. And uh, Jacinda was the recipient this year. And we're very appreciative of her uh, coming on the podcast. Also, uh, Thomas Nock. Uh, really excited about interviewing Thomas Nock. He is the biographer of Note, Note for George McGovern. His book, The Rise of the Prairie Statesman, uh, the second volume out soon. And uh, he also was going going to be the uh, speaker, the keynote speaker at our centennial celebration event, which is uh, September 22, 2022. 
uh, we're uh, planning a major event to celebrate the life of uh, George McGovern and, and Eleanor too, of course. And it will be his 100th birthday and 50 years since the 72 election. So looking forward to both of those things and very excited that Thomas Knock has agreed to appear on this podcast and to come to Wesleyan uh, to celebrate uh, George's life. So those things are coming up. Take care. Bye-bye.